Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Friends, our gospel lesson this morning in our sermon text comes from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in the 14th chapter, taking a look at verses 25 through 33. So again, this is Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. It says, Now large crowds were traveling with him. Who is him? Jesus. Jesus. And he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, the first practice that we have for track and field whether it be the first official day of practice or the first time a student comes out for track and field, they have to do one thing. And that one thing is referred to as field sprints. Now, for those who might be unfamiliar, here's what field sprints looks like. They gather on the football field, and they start at the goal line, and they sprint to the 10-yard line, stop, and walk back to the goal line. Then they sprint to the 20-yard line, stop, walk back to the goal line. Then they sprint to the 30-yard line, stop, walk back, sprint to the 40, to the 50, to the far 40, the far 30, 20, 10, and then sprint goal line to goal line. And then when they walk it back, they do the same thing, but now in reverse. They sprint from the goal line to the far 10, and then the far 20, the far 30, 40, to midfield, then to the 40, 30, 20, 10, and then they're done. Takes about an hour to do all that. And the purpose is very simple. Do they really want to do this? Do they really want to be a part of the track and field program at Manio High School? Because once they get home, they reflect upon it, then they start to ask themselves certain questions. Are they willing to give up their afternoons to come to practice every day? Are they willing to give up maybe some of their favorite food in order to change their diet? Are they willing to give up some of their other extracurricular activities so they can stay rested and in shape? 
Are they willing to commit to increased accountability inside and outside of the classroom? Are they willing to reorient some of their priority? To use our vernacular of last week, are they ready to get in the game? That's part one. Part two is this. Are they willing to do what it takes to stay in the game? Because we work fairly hard in practice. We have dietitians come to talk to them about proper nutrition. We talk to them about making wise choices in regards to their health. Again, they're asked to reorient their priorities a little bit. And you do that because in that way when they get to the meets and they are tested and challenged and they encounter obstacles and they come to a point where they feel like they may want to just give up, they can be confident that they can overcome any obstacle in front of them and be successful. This morning, friends, Jesus gives us his version of field sprints. For you and I, Jesus is telling us to count the cost that comes with being one of his disciples. To determine if we really want to do it. Are we willing to reorient our lives in such a way that not only are we willing to get in the game, but also willing to stay in the game? Leaning on Jesus when we are tested, challenged, and encounter obstacles or feel like we want to give up. Are we willing to stop and think and be honest about where our priorities currently lie and then be willing to make changes if necessary to live a life more pleasing to God? In our lesson this morning, Jesus is giving us demands and expectations that cause every one of us to be different, to be fully alive, to be like Him. Honestly, it's the same choice that Moses gave to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. It says, Moses said to all Israel the words which the Lord commanded him, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in His ways, and observing His commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray and bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and holding fast to Him. Friends, this choice to obey God or not is a choice that you and I make each and every day, many, many, many times over. We make our choice with what we say, with what we think, with the actions that we take. And that's the choice that Jesus is confronting this crowd with in our story this morning. You see, crowds have been gathering around Jesus since he first began his ministry, and it's easy to see why, isn't it? He offers healing, exorcisms, teaching. Hope, life, good news, bread, freedom, and a new vision. 
He had what they wanted, so they gathered around him and pressed in on him in certain occasions. They couldn't get enough of him. And the crowds grew in numbers, increasing by the thousands. And today we read something a little bit different. Because now for the first time we read that these crowds are no longer just gathering when Jesus is around or comes into his town. These crowds are now traveling with Jesus. But friends, it's not enough simply to be traveling with Jesus. Discipleship, true discipleship, requires more. There are demands and there are expectations, and so Jesus stops and he turns to this crowd and he lays them out. Not just for them, but for you and I as well. He tells them to hate your family and your own life. Carry the cross. Give up your possessions. Those three things make up the cost of discipleship. Those three things shape Jesus' life and his own ministry. Those things are meant to shape our lives as well. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he himself did not do. Instead, he makes it possible for us to do what he did. Hate your family and your own life. Carry the cross. Give up your possessions. So the question becomes, well, how did Jesus hate his parents? You remember the 12-year-old Jesus at the temple in Jerusalem in Luke 3, 41 through 50? Mary and Joseph are frantically looking for him. They think that he's lost. And then when Mary finds him, Mary says, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And Jesus says to him, Why are you searching for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? That's how Jesus hates Mary and Joseph. They say, Wait a minute. <laughs> how is that hate? Well, here's what you have to understand. Hate, as used in our scripture this morning, doesn't mean what you think it means. Hate, as used in our scripture this morning, we have to understand that at that time, telling someone to hate something or hate someone was often an idiom, telling them simply to, hey, love something less than you currently do. What it meant was a reorienting or a reprioritization of relationships. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He set his relationship with Mary and Joseph below his relationship with God the Father. You see, this is not the emotional, feeling-based way we tend to think of hate today. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. What he's talking about here is reorienting our relationships and reprioritizing our relationships, reprioritizing where our loyalties lie. Jesus is not rejecting Mary and Joseph or their love and presence in his life. It's not about rejection. It's just about new priorities. And friends, for the disciple, no one and no relationship can take priority over the relationship with Jesus. Not father and mother, not wife and children, not brothers and sisters, not life itself. Our most important relationship has got to be our relationship with Jesus. In the same sense, Jesus hated his own life. You say, well, what does that mean? Again, it's about priorities. 
He carried his cross and gave preference to his Father's will and our salvation. He set aside his own will and his own preferences in favor of love for and obedience to God. You say, all right, well, what about Jesus' possessions? Well, he didn't have any, did he? In Luke 9, 58, he says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Again, Jesus is giving priority to his relationship with God, not his relationship to things. You start to see a bit of a pattern emerging here. Priority of relationship. Jesus is asking us to do what he did and be who he is. That's what a disciple is, friends. A disciple is a learner. One who learns to live and act and speak and think like the teacher. The disciple integrates the teacher's life and teachings into his or her own life. And so for us, that means that no one, no cost, no thing is to take precedence over or interfere with our relationship with Jesus. Nothing is more important because it is our relationship with Jesus that shapes, defines, determines, and characterizes all of our other relationships, all the other aspects of our lives, who we are, what we say, and what we do. Because learning to be and live like Jesus is what unifies our life. Because you and I, whether we want to admit it or not, we live compartmentalized lives. Well, what does that mean? Well, we have a work life and a school life and a family and home life and a recreational life and a political and civic life, and a church life. And depending upon where we are, or who we are with, and what we are doing, may ultimately determine the choices we make in regards to what we say and what we do. Because let's be honest, we tend to act differently in front of different people in different settings. Jesus' demands and expectations change all that. There can only be one priority, and it is to inform and shape the whole of who we are and what we do, because this is what that means. It means that we are to be the same person with the same values, the same principles, and same beliefs, regardless of where we are, who we are with, or what we are doing. It means politics no longer governed by party agendas or loyalty, but by commitment to Jesus and gospel agendas. It means personal opinions and preferences give way to love of neighbor and one's enemies. I mean, imagine how all the posts on Facebook would change if we led with that. Think about how our private and public conversations would change if we led with that. It means that everything we say, everything we do, everything we choose, and everything we choose to be arises out of and reveals our life in and love of Christ Jesus. But friends, if we choose to live like that, there are costs to be paid and sacrifices to be made, but we shouldn't be surprised by that because you and I, we do it all the time. We sacrifice years of study for an education. We sacrifice long hours and weekends for a successful career. We sacrifice time, money, and other opportunities to make sure that our kids can get to the camps they want to go to, the activities they want to do, and athletics they want to participate in. We sacrifice dessert for a healthy diet 
and sleeping in for a time to work out. We know how to make sacrifices and pay the cost, friends, because we do it every day. We do it all the time because we do it for things that are important to us, things that are priorities for us. And there's nothing wrong with any of the things that I just named. They are good and they are important aspects of our lives, but friends, we cannot avoid the obvious question that it leads us to, can we? What costs are we willing to pay? And what sacrifices are we willing to make to be disciples of Jesus? What costs are we willing to pay? And what sacrifices are we willing to make to have Jesus as the priority in our lives? Now, I don't know what your answer is. The answer will be different for each of us, but I am sure that each answer is going to involve some reordering of our priorities. And friends, our learning to be like Jesus is not just another priority. It needs to be the priority. And we have to understand it has consequences for our relationships, our time, our money, our work, our energy, and our effort. No part of our life should be untouched. If we want to know what our priorities are, what drives and directs our lives, all we got to do is look at the choices we make, what we choose to say and do, the ways in which we choose to spend our time, our energy, and our efforts. What do our choices say about us? Do they reflect discipleship, learning to be more like Jesus? And what new choices can we make to more closely align our life with Jesus? You know, there's a reason why biblical scholars call today's section of Scripture one of Jesus' hard sayings. Because it offers challenging words and raises difficult questions. But they are, friends, words and questions that offer to us life. I mean, isn't that why we showed up here this morning? We want life. We want to be fully alive. We want freedom from temptation and sin. We want to be like Jesus so, friends, don't let these expectations and demands scare you away. Because we can do this. Jesus made it all possible. Let's not lose the power and the gift that are contained in His words. Let's not lose this moment. Let's not leave here the same people we were when we came in. What is one thing, one thing, big or small, that you could do or give up that changes your priorities, that reorders your relationships, that gives priority to Christ Jesus. Choose that, and you leave here today a different person. So friends, get in the game. Stay in the game. Choose Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.